The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the last Trip Talk broadcast and podcast of 2019. We hope this year has been good to you, and we hope that 2020 will be even better. I am joined today by Suzanne Mitchell, my Seattle broadcast partner. Suzanne, I'm delighted to have spent this year with you, and we have road trip dreams of our own to pursue next year. Yes, we do. We did a little bit of road tripping this year, a couple of trips, but next year we're hoping to expand on that even more. And we're not going to do it without looking at the American Road Magazine (laughs) to figure out where we want to go. That is the guide par excellence, that's for sure. And it is one of our New Year's resolutions to finally meet up close and personal with Thomas and Becky Rep. They created this phenomenon, American Road Magazine, Mock Turtle Press, their publishing house, and Trip Talk. Wonderful people. I've dealt with them for years. We know what each other looks like, but we've never met up. We've never had a cup of coffee together. We've never had lunch together. And we're going to do something about that in the coming year. I am resolved. We're going to talk about some articles of interest in issues during the 2019 year of American Road Magazine. And I'm also in a moment going to remember somebody who was very special to the American Road family. He passed away in February of this year. And I do want to pay tribute by reading the lovely article that was written about Foster Braun. I will do so right after this. This is your last chance. Uh, People might say, well, holiday gift giving season is over. Not quite yet, not where American Road is concerned. It's still time, and the opportunity is here to fuel the open road dreams of special people in your life with a subscription to American Road magazine. With exciting features, quality writing, and beautiful photography in every issue, American Road makes a perfect gift for road-tripping moms and dads, gallivanting grandparents, adventurous aunts and uncles. Maybe that special friend will enjoy it too. Visit AmericanRoadMagazine.com. That's AmericanRoadMagazine.com. Click subscribe. And for a limited time, you can enter the code KKNW to receive 25% off your subscription. Welcome back to Trip Talk. Delighted to have you with us. And we're reminiscing. That's what you do when you have your last broadcast and podcast of the year. And so it's our opportunity to look back and then to look forward. I wanted to start off by reading about a gentleman who has been really the heart and soul of Trip Talk from its inception, and his spirit lingers, not to be too dramatic about it, but the fact is Foster Braun, 1946 to 2019, was an extraordinary person. I'm going to read from American Road Magazine. The airwaves of Metro Detroit lost much of their music on February 3, 2019, broadcasting legend Foster Braun, whose mellow baritone tickled the ears of radio listeners around the Motor City for more than 40 years, passed away following a long battle with cancer. He was 72. Mr. Braun was the host of our American Road Trip Talk podcast and had been since 2006. Through a total of 207 shows, he regaled fans with interviews of roadside personalities that included everyone from 
Weeky Watchy Mermaid Barbara Wins to Terry Ike Clanton, who was the descendant of the cowboy faction that faced down the Earths during the gunfight at the OK Corral. He was the voice of Detroit, and he became the voice of American Road, says American Road editorial director Thomas Arthur Rep. Foster was born on August 18, 1946, in Milwaukee. He moved to Michigan as a young man. A chance meeting with a merry old priest inspired him to enter the seminary. That's something that I did not know about Foster there. He has such a calm demeanor and had such a pleasant personality. I might have guessed, but I didn't. After studying clinical pastoral education at Andover Newton Theological School, receiving a Master of Arts in Theology from the State University of New York, and undertaking missionary work in Mexico and South America, he heard a different calling. This call came from the airwaves, and it told him to trust the future to his own velvety voice. In the mid-1970s, Foster began his career in Detroit radio. He studied at Specs Howard School of Broadcasting in Southfield, Michigan, and landed a job on Rockin' Radio WRIF-FM doing a talk show for the Council of Churches on Sunday nights. Braun's faith-based background and deep, sonorous tones made him a natural for Christian talk radio. He became program director at WCARAM, then at WLQVAM, this is a broadcaster who was well-traveled within the Detroit metro. He and his wife of 43 years, Ginny Chapman Braun, produced and co-hosted the program Love Talks. He joined WJRAM in 1996. He says, when I came to WJR, I felt like I'd climbed the mountain, he said later on. And it was true that he'd hit new heights. Founded in 1922 as WCX, the station had changed its call sign and moved into its present home, billing itself as WJR Detroit from the Golden Tower of the Fisher Building by 1928. Its signal could be heard across much of the Rust Belt. Its studios, served by the remarkable gilt bronze elevators in the aforementioned Fisher, were the most prestigious on Detroit's AM dial. In 1998, Foster Braun created the Internet Advisor Show on WJR with co-host Gary Baker. As the story goes, the two became radio partners after Braun suffered a mysterious problem with a computer connection and phoned online tech, where Baker was CEO. He says, I finally had an idea, Baker recalled in 2016. I said, your trouble is that you have squirrels eating the insulation off of your telephone line. He goes, right. I said, look out the window. See if there are any squirrels on your lawn. He said, nope, there's not. Mr. Baker replied, okay, we'll keep looking because that's what's going on. You've got signal leakage from the pole to your house somewhere. He called me back about an hour later. He goes, damn squirrels. Moving ahead to 2005, members of the American Road Magazine staff made their first appearance on the show. Foster Braun was intrigued by the magazine, and not long afterward, he became involved with it, developing Trep Talk. In the years that followed, he introduced listeners to guests such as Mike Marcellus, the aquarist who looked after Grandad, the ancient Australian lungfish at Chicago Shedd Aquarium, and Edna Bodewin, the caretaker at the weirdly wonderful paper house of Rockport, Massachusetts, all in his own inimitable way. Quote, Foster had the voice of a psalm, says Becky Rep. 
As a matter of fact, I, excuse me, I think that might actually be Thomas Rep. There was a timeless melody to it. He genuinely cared for his fellow human beings, and he was a man who lived his life doing the job he was meant to do. You know, the late humorist Kurt Vonnegut Jr. once said, I never knew a blacksmith in love with his anvil. Well, he never met Foster Braun. That sounds like Thomas Rhett to me. Even Braun's nine-and-a-half-year battle with multiple myeloma couldn't rob him of his enthusiasm for work and life. Quote, at times he grew exhausted, yet I never heard him despair, Rep continues. Most of the guests he interviewed were never aware of the pain he was able to overcome. He was incredible. He brought out the best in everyone he met. And he adds, I'll miss him. I was honored to call Foster my friend. In my mind, I'll always see him in the Fisher Building on his way to a broadcast, smiling widely, catching one of those gilt elevators to the WJR studios on the seventh floor. When I think about his passing, I like to think he just caught a gold elevator that took him a little bit higher. I imagine someday, when I take my own last ride, I'll hear his voice again, and we'll sit down together and we'll talk about the trips we've taken, unquote. And the quotes will go on about Foster Braun. He was an extraordinary man. He helped me ease into trip talk, and his own velvety voice was matched by a very smooth a very smooth temperament, and the, he had the kind of evenness of mind that allowed him to work methodically through a welter of details as we tried to put this together, and we transitioned into a new application in order to do what we do. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, the man had the patience of a saint. He went through instructions that just boggled my mind, and I was getting so frustrated, and he just walked us all through it. And at times, he wasn't quite sure what was going on either, but he stopped, took his time, figured it out, and so we have Trip Talk today. I am indebted to Foster Braun. I walk in his shadow, and I am so happy that I got to know him just a little bit, not nearly as well as the reps and others at American Road Magazine, but it was a real pleasure to know him. And I hope, being a man of faith myself, that we will meet again. I'm pretty sure that we will. Suzanne, thank you for sitting through that. We needed to give some mad props to Foster Braun, a truly extraordinary gentleman. And we have these articles to go through. American Road Magazine is known for its variety, lush photography and excellent writing. So throughout this year, this quarterly periodical, which is so good at what it does and represents itself for exactly what it is meant to do, getting people fired up about the road trip dreams, offers us such a variety, such a wealth of inspiration as we plan to go here and there, including to some places we didn't even know existed. We've been reading American Road Magazine for years and saving the articles, marking up the magazines of the places that we've wanted to go to. Many of them we have been to, and we still have many more places to visit. A lot of people dream about going out on the open road. We've done it quite a few times. Most notably, the longest trip we ever took in 2017 was 71 days on the road, left our house and returned 71 days later. This year, we had a, a shorter road trip, a two-week road trip, but always seeing new things. And I love to use American Road Magazine as the, the go-to magazine for what is interesting in any particular area. And they have some wonderful articles and places which have been brought to light, revealed 
in the pages of their magazine, and they do get people excited about going out and seeing these things. It always helps if you're planning a road trip to know where you're going and how to get there and what awaits you. In some detail, it gets you excited, gets you fired up. One of the issues that I got a big kick out of this, it was the the cover story too. Drive summer, in, summer, the summer issue. And of course, why not? We're talking about drive-in theaters, the outdoor screens that brighten the night. It was a great compendium of reviews, and it's it's like a roadmap of the drive-in theaters that still exist, and they thrive. That's the thing. They're going strong. They, they aren't bedraggled. They aren't run down. These are show places that bring back the past to a generation that you might not expect would even ever know what a drive-in theater is, let alone be able to enjoy one, and yet here they are. We went to drive-in theaters quite a bit when I was a young child because my mom had two small children and it was just easy to throw us in the back seat with pillows and blankets and go to the <laughs> drive-in. My dad would escape for a little bit to the uh, to the concession stand, come back with a few things, and pretty soon we were asleep in the back seat. He and my mom were watching movies in the front seat. So I have some very good childhood memories of drive-in theaters. I don't know about you, Suzanne, but I could get out of the car. I had permission to hit those snack bars pretty good. I enjoyed it a lot. It was popcorn. I especially liked any sort of ice cream confection. I mean, that was high times for me. Believe I, me. I could go the concession stand, but only with a parent. I was too young to be wandering around in the dark by myself at these drive-ins. But I can remember having to make that adjustment with the windows that rolled up and down by hand because you had to get the speaker just right in the car so everybody could hear it, and there was always the volume adjustment. There was a lot of a lot of little nuances about being in a drive-in theater, but it was a lot of fun. And now that you can use your car's FM technology, it's a lot better. You don't have to have that weighty box hanging on the <laughs> windows. <laughs> That's right. Sometimes the, it was hard to understand. <laughs> <laughs> the sound quality is a lot better today. They've gone high tech. It's remarkable. I'm going to read a review of one that draws people throughout the Midwest and beyond. The Bluegrass Drive-In Theater, which is located at 774 West Main Street, M-A-Y-N-E, in Bluegrass, Iowa. Movie lovers might associate this popular Quad Cities destination located just off Highway 61 in Bluegrass, Iowa, with the moment in Field of Dreams back in 1989 when bewildered Shoeless Joe Jackson, played by Ray Liotta, asked Kevin Costner's character, Ray Kinsella, is this heaven? With a chuckle, Kinsella demurred, no, this is Iowa a refreshing contrast to the promenade of screens found at ubiquitous indoor malls. The bluegrass drive-in opened to the night sky in 2014. Quote, this is our first drive-in theater and our first family business, unquote, says owner Randy Lorenz. Long after the heyday of the industry subsided, Lorenz's family successfully merged nostalgia with contemporary functionality. He adds, we actually got to live through the most popular drive-in times. Blending Iowa wholesomeness with two imposing screens that would do a cubist art aficionado proud makes the bluegrass a striking stalwart. Mr. Lorenz emphasizes our drive-in is special because we are family-focused, which means we stick with affordable pricing, the newest kids' movies, and plenty of space to throw a frisbee. Yet the Lorenz family is not stuck in the past. 
creating a smart, updated version of what was once a popular, if stayed, movie-going experience intrigues a whole new generation. Mr. Lorenz says, we love our giant cube. It is unique to have all the screens in the middle. Using modern technology in conjunction with a family atmosphere lets us compete with Netflix. Today, a couple on a date or a family piling into the car to watch a double feature can enjoy the latest films in a place that pays homage to the past, a real field of dreams. Mr. Lorenz and his family built it, and he is elated that they will continue to come from many miles around. He says 2019 is Bluegrass Drive-In's 50th anniversary, or fifth, I'm sorry, fifth anniversary, and we couldn't be more excited. We have added our third projector this year, which gives our fans even more choices when coming to the drive-in. That's a place that I would like to go. Let's put that on the bucket list, Suzanne, because Quad Cities, it's in the middle of America, and you have this cubist art for a screen, all the goodies, all the snacks you want, and I believe they're even pet-friendly as long as you clean up after them. The Mississippi River starts as just a trickle of water in northern Minnesota. And it becomes, of course, um, with other tributaries, wider and bigger as you go south. So the Quad Cities actually sits on both sides of the Mississippi River. And um, in that area, um, it's perfect for seeing both Iowa and Illinois. There are so many. If you flip through the magazine, this particular issue and back issues are available. It's amazing. A night at the drive-in, 32 classic picture parks across North America. Isn't it wonderful to know that you can have 32 of these going? Maybe there will be more in the future. Don't know about that. But the ones that exist have an association. They don't talk about it publicly very much, but there is an association of drive-in owners. They have their own culture. They have their own approach to management theory, and they share information in order to support one another, which I find remarkable. It's not dog-eat-dog -dog competition. They want all of them to survive and thrive, and they should be proud. That's something that, in 2020, I'm up for this resolution. I would like to go to several of these, because if you're going to make a road trip, if you're going to make a, a destination out of each one of them, you can string together unique experiences under the heading of the drive-in experience, which many people by now thought would be long gone, but it's not. That's the same way people will sometimes go to football stadiums or baseball parks. True. And they'll put them on a map and go from one to the other. We know a couple that actually went to almost all, if not all, the baseball parks one year. Just took a ride out. I'd prefer to go to the drive-in. <laughs> <laughs> you like a good movie, that's why. I do, and when you get a double feature in the bargain, that's terrific. We have a few minutes left, and for a piece of good writing that is a bit spooky, the current issue, which soon will be the immediate past issue because the winter issue is on the way, and we'll be talking about that in coming weeks, there is a story of a bird, and it's pretty amazing. Suzanne, would you do the honors? This We're going to read this to you, a little oral interpretation for you to get a sampling of what it's like to pick up a copy of American Road magazine. I'm going to read a paragraph from it, but I also just want to talk about it. The article is called Grip the Raven, and the raven actually is behind glass in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, another place we haven't gone that we would like to visit at some point. Grip the Raven was actually the property of Charles Dickens. And uh, I'll read a, a paragraph here and then talk about it a little bit. In life, Grip was actually 
the plutonian plumed darling of English novelist Charles Dickens, the celebrated author of the Pickwick Papers, 1937, and Oliver Twist, 1839. Dickens kept the bird as a house pet and a model for the raven in his 1841 novel, Barnaby Rudge. In 1842, Edgar Allan Poe reviewed Barnaby Rudge for Graham's Magazine. He was impressed by the use of a talking bird in the story, yet he maintained that the chatty scavenger should have been given something meatier to say. Inspired by that thought, Poe wrote his own masterwork, The Raven, in 1845. Now, this was just three years after he reviewed Charles Dickens' Barnaby Rudge, so I did not realize that Edgar Allan Poe and Charles Dickens were contemporaries, but here was Edgar Allan Poe in the United States. He reads Barnaby Rudge. He does a review for it, and and in the Dickens book, the bird says, uh, nobody, 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 and when Edgar Allan Poe wrote the story, he changed that to nevermore, nevermore. But it was only three years after he read Barnaby Rudge that Edgar Allan Poe wrote The Raven. And apparently, according to the article, he got control of that raven that once was owned by Charles Dickens. And when it died, he put it into a museum or it was put into a museum in Philadelphia. And there are things like that all over the country. There are, we visited Robert's Doll in Key West, and that is one of the other things from the autumn issue. And so you find these, these wonderful little stories about strange things that exist all over the country. And it's a, it takes the, the people at American Road Magazine to ferret them out, write about them, and get us interested in going to see these things. We found that out for ourselves, Suzanne, when we went to Key West. And what I discovered, as I have in other places, is that what makes the location special stamps the whole area with some personality. And it has competition for that distinction, for that influence. For example, we went to the Hemingway House. That was a, an inspiring, awe-inspiring experience to go there and to stand outside a gate because they don't let you walk in. But you climb some stairs and you you kind of uh, jam into the, the space there at the entrance and you take your turn. You don't want to be a pig about it, but you take a couple of minutes to look, maybe take a couple of pictures and then let someone else have a look. But you look inside the writer's studio where some of his greatest works were generated. Hemingway's typewriter is there, still there. Hemingway's desk and the accoutrement, you might say, from Africa and other places that he had visited that showed you what a man's man and what a literary giant he was and how so much of what he wrote was rooted in his personal experience of multiple continents. And there it is in Key West. Almost as popular, there is a monument there for the southernmost part of the United States. And that would be southernmost. Big, big monument there. People line up for anywhere, it could be an hour, you know, from a few minutes to an hour, line up to take their picture in front of the southernmost part of the United States. And on the opposite end of town, people gather at sunset. Southernmost is a little bit on the east side of uh, Key West, 
and at the uh, west side is where everybody goes to cheer the sunset and they applaud and laugh and toast to the sun going down every night. So there are just these wonderful little things that go on in every area. What I found too in our own travels throughout 2019 is that trolley tours are a big business. We experienced it in Key West. And by the way, if you're gonna go to the southernmost point and don't wanna stand in the sun, the hot, humid sun for an hour, take the trolley tour. There are several to choose from and they will take you by there where you have the shade, you're in motion until you stop and then you can take a couple of pictures, take a good look and then you'll be on your way. I found that this is very handy. It was at least as instructive and relaxing when we took the tour, except for one kamikaze driver, I recall. <laughs> but when we were in Boston in September, yes. we took the trolley tour. We thought, why hoof it when we can be driven around town? One that we've heard so much about, but don't really know. And it was extraordinary, the places where they just go and they stop and they let you take your pictures. You can get out and then come back on or, or walk half a block or so or more than that, really, two or three blocks, actually, in Boston and get on again somewhere else. It's a very good way to try to travel through the major cities. And I can't think of one. Certainly Chicago has one. Detroit has one where these trolley tour enterprises exist and they compete with each other. So you can get some pretty good deals. Yes. And it is a good way to see an overview of the city. It always gives you the chance to go back to a place that you want to spend more time in and, and go in great detail. But I like the overview first, and then you can kind of pick and choose what you want to see for the second time. You took the words right out of my mouth because going the trolley route, and I'm kind of selling the idea, or not a particular tour, just look around at major cities, you will have your choice. The great thing is you can price them out, and you can price out the places where they stop. Some of them even offer discounts because they're in an alliance with this or that major attraction. So you take that trolley and you save 20, 25% for each ticket to get off, go into this place. And when you come out, there will be a trolley coming along soon to take you to the next stop. And some places are even free. They don't all have a charge. That's true. The USS Constitution, for example, very, very famous military vessel. We were able to see, we weren't gonna take the tour on that day and it was all right. We were okay with that because we got to see it and to take some pictures. And there was some historical explanation, as you might expect from a well-informed tour operator. It was a really good time. I look forward to doing it in Chicago and other cities. Detroit, we're going to get to here sometime soon. It's a city undergoing a renaissance. And that's when we will connect with Thomas and Becky Rep. They are the founders of American Road Magazine, and they are the inspiration and the people who sponsor American Road's Trip Talk. Thanks for letting us go back in time, stopping here and looking forward to 2020. We hope it's a prosperous and joyous time for every one of our listeners. Thank you indeed for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road Magazine. The winter issue is on the way. Until next week, drive safely and dream well. <laughs>